It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome Sandy, thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in DC is Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician, I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're gonna lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game, this is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Just say, I don't trust a black woman to do the job. Because I know that y'all didn't have these same issues with Amy Coney Barrett. You didn't ask those questions. You know what? I know what this is. Yeah. We all know what it is. The history books will be taking notes. People will read this history for generations to come. And the only question we have is whether we arise to meet this moment in history. You know, that's interesting because they didn't apparently feel the same way when Clarence Thomas was being nominated, when Clarence Thomas, one of the most decent human beings ever to serve in the federal judiciary, uh, one of the most decent people I know who, who was attacked by the left, attacked by some of those same Democratic senators who were making those same comments today. Uh, they didn't call his nomination historic. It's only historic when it's someone they like and with whom they agree. They didn't say that when they were looking at the nomination of Janice Rogers Brown to the D.C. Circuit or of Miguel Estrada to that same court. They just do that when it's someone they happen to agree with who matches their leftist political ideology. All right, so that was Mike Lee last night with Shannon Bream, and that was in order, Whoopi Goldberg and Patrick Leahy. And uh, I think I've mentioned that I've been in the Judiciary Committee hearings when they were tearing to shreds various conservative nominees. I've been sitting right there listening to them lie with impunity and always charging everyone they disagree with with racism. That was uh, Kennedy, it was Durbin, it was Leahy, uh, the usual suspects on that committee. It was It's really horrific. If you think that the Congress has suddenly become corrupt, let me just tell you, it hasn't. It's uh, It's been a slow burn and it's uh, it's become untenable. So, uh, the story of Katanji Brown-Jackson is that she will be voted on by the full Senate today. This is what happened. Uh, the Senate committee, where Judiciary Committee, where she the hearing took place, uh, was logjammed 11 to 11. 11 Republicans opposing her nomination and 11 Democrats uh, supporting it. And so uh, Schumer did a special vote in the Senate last night, and by a vote of 53 to 47, it was a discharge petition. They are allowing, since the committee was logjammed, they are allowing today for the full Senate to vote. And how did they get that 53 to 47 vote? How did they do that? How did they do that since there are, you know, an even number of Democrats and Republicans in the Senate? Well, they did that because Susan Collins, Mitt Romney, and Lisa Murkowski, all Republicans, voted to move it to the uh, to the Senate for a vote today. And uh, they all have indicated they're going to support uh, Ketanji Brown-Jackson. It's interesting because a lot came out about her record. We've talked extensively about it, about her 25-year uh, advocacy, really, her lightning of sentences for specifically ch horrific child pornography cases. And I guess that's what changed Mitt Romney's idea because uh, about 
what, 10 months ago, he voted against her nomination to the D.C. Circuit. So I'm wondering what's changed. And uh, Lisa Murkowski also voted against her. Wonder what's changed. So uh, this is happening on the Senate floor today. And just to be practical with you, don't take for granted any vote. Uh, and um, also things can change. And so the Capitol switchboard, are you ready with a pencil? Because it's a good time to call your senator. 202-224-3121. That's 202-224-3121. And, of course, uh, that's the, the Capitol switchboard. I guess, that you know, it's all right. Melt it down and to tell them that you don't want them to vote to, to put her on the court. It will be a disaster on so many levels. Uh, and it isn't because she's black. I mean, it's amazing, isn't it, how they are at the same time out of the other side of their mouths trying to get rid of uh, Justice Thomas, who happens to be black. I guess they haven't noticed that part. And, of course, that must be racist, too. No, it's not racist for them either. It's just that they hate where he stands on the issues. But we, uh, conservatives, are not allowed uh, to consider a candidate for how they stand on the issues. It's always about color for us, of course. You're always, uh, you know, racist. That's what Whoopi Goldberg is is. Ex- you know, accusing us of, well, it's, um, it's, it, you know what, things can change. And so I would suggest that you'd make that call if you can. I'm going to give you the number one more time. It's a 202-224-3121. All right, there's more news. And, um, you know, the Disney thing is just not going away for now. And MSNBC and CNN and lots of celebrities are, uh, let's see, they're taking Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, to task for his bill. Now, remember the bill states that classroom instruction by school personnel or third parties on sexual orientation or gender identity cannot occur in kindergarten through third grade or in a manner that is not age-appropriate or developmentally appropriate for students in accordance with state standards. It's called the Florida's Parental Rights Law. It's a terrible law, of course, based on that, what we just said, that's what it says. Well, based on what it just says there, uh, the commentators and entertainers of the world um, are like on purpose lying about it. And I'll give you a really good example. Here's a montage clip three. The law actually means that you can't acknowledge that gay exists at all. Uh, Don't say gay. Obey the law when you're in Florida. And for you people in Florida, we're going to have a gay night. Gay, 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 my comment would be gay, 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 gay. Say, you Nazi pig. Say. Listen, girl, I, I guess I can't say gay. <laughs> Kidding, because they don't want you to say gay. Gay, 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 gay. Ron DeSantis is running the communist dictator playbook uh, from the get-go. Under the new law, a teacher can't explain to a second grader that their governor is a dickhead. That kind of language is not allowed anymore. It's up to parents to explain that their governor is a dickhead. The conservative movement restarting its war against gay people. The way the bill is written is, is, written is so broad. It, it becomes a terror tactic in the sense that no one knows if they are in fact violating the law. This is not a normal law. It is a gag order and it is enforced in the most disturbing sort of vigilante manner possible. The don't say gay bill is going to um, hurt LGBTQ kids and their families. Or they will be discriminated against, that that could be endorsed essentially by this bill. When I asked them, do they believe that this is an example of just unadulterated bigotry? Here was their response. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. I didn't really actually see the details of the legislation, but the whole the whole thing seems like uh, just a you know crazy fight. Thing. I think the the bill was kind of absurd. It's Governor Larry Hogan ending it all. He's uh, from Maryland, and I can't identify all of those voices for you. Hopefully, you heard Don Lemon was one of them. New York Times columnist Charles Blow is the one who said that uh, the bill is a terror tactic by the Florida GOP. He's what? What is he again? He's a New York Times columnist, which reminds me of a Washington Post staff artist, Michael Adler, D. Adler, who published a cartoon last week depicting Governor DeSantis standing in front of dead children. And the caption is, I'm protecting Florida's children from you, DeSantis says in the artist's depiction as he speaks with Mickey and Minnie Mouse. And uh, so then uh, PBS NewsHour uh, said that it was hideous and horrendous and claimed that the law would hurt LGBTQIA plus kids and their families. So you get the drift, right? You get the drift. It's all out assault against Governor DeSantis in Florida. This is just through the third grade, okay? But I don't even need to explain that, do I? Do I need to waste my breath trying to tell you why it's a good idea that parents should be able to stop this? Yeah, but um, but the, the world is crazy right now, and these are the loudest screaming voices, and they do scream, and they do have a loud, la- large microphone because they are in entertainment. And so D- Disney, of course, has doubled down, as you know, Disney+. Plus. Don't let your kids, oh, please, you're going to have to cancel Disney+. Plus. I'm sorry, I... You're going to have to do that because they're now going into 10 different countries to spread their poison because they fully intend to introduce uh, lead characters that are gay, trans, and they're already including, you know, uh, um, homosexual affection kisses in their children's uh, cartoons. Is that is that all right with If it's all right with you, then you should, you know, sign up for Disney+. Plus. But they're sending this now in countries like Algeria, Egypt, Libya, Morocco, Oman, Palestinian Authority, and on and on, Saudi Arabia, where, of course, uh, we all know what the penalty is for homosexuality over there. In your face, there they go. And so... Um, so there, that's what's happening. And and the administration, what are they doing? Well, you probably didn't know this because there's so much news, but this is what they did. Uh, there was a transgender day of visibility. Did you miss that special day? It happened just a few days ago. And on that occasion, Joe Biden released a video message reinforcing this point. To parents of transgender children, he insisted, affirming your child's identity is one of the most powerful things you can do to keep them safe and healthy. Uh, the Justice Department under Joe Biden sent a letter to all state attorneys general warning that they could be violating civil rights laws if they keep minors from receiving gender-affirming care. Just to be clear, that's where the administration is, and that's why we have to fight. All right, there are other things I want to get in quickly as I can. Brandon Judd, I've interviewed Brandon. He's usually pretty calm. But now he's a little bit uncalm, and that's because Title 42 is about to go away. Title 42 is the thing put in place that um, is the health regulation by the CDC that says people coming across the border might be, just might, I don't know, might be a danger for transferring COVID into this country. And so because of Title 42, they've been able to stench the bleeding on the border. They have on, only have only, only 7,000 a day are able to get in because of this dreaded, horrible Title 42. So the Biden administration is doing away with Title 42. Brandon Judd, former Border Patrol head, is not crazy about that. Uh, He has something to say, followed by Tennessee Senator Bill Haggerty. Let's listen to clip nine. 
This is a scary situation, and it's just getting scarier by the day because this administration will not enact policy that will allow us to protect the border. So, Senator, you've been on the ground there at the border. What can you tell us? What has stru struck you most? Maria, I was here Friday. I've been, this is my third day here on the border. I was here Friday evening when they put together what they call the evening muster. The leadership came out to tell the Border Patrol agents that, indeed, the president of the United States has decided to lift the Title 42. That's the last tool that they have left to send people back, to, you know, back across the border. There was just a complete cloud of depression that fell over the room, Maria. That's the last tool left. They're already overwhelmed. They've got capacity to process perhaps 5,000 coming across the border. They're now getting 7,000. This could go to 15, 18,000 overnight. In fact, what the president has done is send an invitation to come to America. May 23rd, the border's going to collapse. There's going to be a tidal wave coming across this border. It's going to be a mass of, of, of drugs coming across the border, illegal activity, and there's going to be a tidal wave of, of humanity coming across the border at the same time. This is going to be a disaster of epic proportions. It's very hard to comprehend. Very hard to comprehend. Not for people on the border because they've been living it, but of course we're all going to be living it. It's going to change our nation in ways we can't even imagine and, uh, and bankrupt us in the process. Uh, but um, Jim Jordan tweeted this. There were 1.7 million legal, illegal immigrant encounters at the southern border in uh, 2021. And what's the Biden administration doing to stop it? Nothing. Just last week, <clears throat> Department of Homeland Security announced new rules to, quote, better serve non-binary <clears throat> and gender non-conforming travelers to America. And Jim comments, insanity. Yeah. I'm thinking it is insanity, but, uh, and also I heard Senator uh, Blinken, you know, Secretary of State uh, Blinken, say they're, they are lifting Title 42 uh, because of the science. He went on to say, you know, there are less cases, so we're lifting Title 42 because of the science. Now, that science doesn't apply to airplanes and uh, public transportation, doesn't apply to hospitals where they're still crazy, insane people running those places because they still get tons of money for they're just hoping you'll come in there and uh, test positive for COVID because they get a ton of money and so um, the science though uh, for the border people coming across illegally is that you know it's COVID is not a big deal anymore so we will lift the ban they can come in just welcome come on in bankrupt the company country help us you know establish our totalitarian state that's what's happening Sandy Rios in the morning AFR talk Millions of persecuted believers, they're suffering and they can use your prayers and financial support right now. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International in the country of Zambia, the place where the famous missionary David Livingstone carried out years of ministry. Shadrach is an elder in a shanty church. He had word that there was an attack coming one Sunday and sure enough, 20 radicals showed up in attempt to kill all the Christians gathered for worship in that service, about 200 in number. Now in self-defense, Shadrach had a handgun. He used it on a man named Ishmael, didn't kill him, but he injured him but nursed him back to health. He was a livestock farmer, so he took care of the man's livestock. The daughter of that man could not read, could not write, so Shadrach would teach her to read and write using a Bible League program. And I can tell you, in grateful response, the entire family and 80 former radicals have come to place their faith in Jesus Christ. They need Bibles at $5 a Bible. Would you pray about it? And then call 800-YES-WORD, 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 or give at sendbiblesnow.org. That's sendbiblesnow.org. 
to work. If you are 65 or older, you know this. It's really frustrating to deal with out-of-pocket medical expenses, watching your hard-earned dollars just flying out the window. Well, here's something that can really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MediShare has a new option called MediShare 65+. Plus. MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's healthcare bills and it really is a community. People encourage and pray for each other. And MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B that fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. It's great for peace of mind. And you can use your Medicare-approved doctor and get prescription savings, dental and vision savings. Very worth looking into, and it's so easy to find out why people rave about the customer service at MediShare. They're great to talk to on the phone. Here's the number. Call 833-45-BIBLE. That's 833-45-BIBLE. 833-45-BIBLE. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starn. Stand by for news and commentary next. When deciding where to pursue your career goals, you want a university that you can trust that offers a world-class education with the values, knowledge, and skills you need to succeed. That place is Liberty University, and now is the perfect time to start. Liberty is celebrating 50 years of training champions for Christ, a mission that has not wavered since it opened in 1971. With more than 700 programs online and on campus, Liberty can help you turn your vision into a future you can be proud of. Learn more by texting STARNS to the number 49596. Home Depot wants to fix white people and Christians. The home improvement chain released a worksheet about white privilege. It was posted in the break room of a Canadian Home Depot. If you're confident the police exist to protect you, well, you have white privilege. Home Depot also called out class privilege for you folks who went to college, cisgender privilege for you people who know your pronouns, and if you get off for Christmas Day, Home Depot says you have Christian privilege. They also called out able-bodied privilege and heterosexuals. Now, some of you might say, what privilege? You're working two jobs, living in a rental, driving a 10-year-old car? Well, according to Home Depot, white privilege does not mean your life has not been hard. It means the color of your skin has nothing to do with the reason you're buying off-brand cookies at Kroger. Fortunately, all of you white, heterosexual, able-bodied Christian fixer-uppers have the privilege of buying your power tools someplace else. I'm Todd Starnes. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. All right, Sandy Rios, back with you. You know, um, I've been telling you that I want to, <clears throat> excuse me, prepare you for primaries because they're coming up. I've got them now all over my calendar in big, dark uh, letters, and I can't, because there are 50 states and there are so many offices, I can't possibly tell you or even guide you. I can give you guidance in, in general. Uh, there are a lot of family policy councils. There are a lot of great voter guides. American Family uh, Action has a great voter guide, I voter guide, uh, and uh, we, we'll put that on our getter page. And it's not hard to find. Just go to the American Family Association and look for I voter guide, and it will give you guidance as to you know give you an idea of where people stand on various issues. And so in Ohio, they have a primary coming up very quickly here. It's May the third. Maybe it's one of the first here. Uh, this election cycle, and there are tons of candidates running in that race. Uh, Mike Gibbons is running. He's a businessman, um, entrepreneur. Josh Mandel is running. He is the former state treasurer. We'll talk up to him in just a second. J.D. Vance is the one that Tucker Carlson has been pushing. Uh, he's an author. Um, and according to the Real Clear Politics, uh, it's very close between Mike Gibbons and Josh Mandel. J.D. Vance is running behind by quite a bit. 
And then there are other candidates, but they're only receiving like single digits. And so uh, not that they can't rise from the ashes, but so far they have not done that. And so the, of course, Ohio, this is Rob Portman's seat. Rob is a, was a Republican, but very moderate, you know, the furthest thing from a firebrand. And so if Ohio could elect someone who is a strong, staunch conservative, it would be incredible. And many of you are listening from the state of Ohio, so I wanted to introduce you this morning more thoroughly to Josh Hawley. Uh, Josh has an incredible record. I said Josh Hawley, sorry. Well, Josh Hawley, I don't think he's going to move to Ohio, but Josh Mandel, uh, he was uh, two terms the treasurer of the state of Ohio. And in that capacity, when he took that job, the Ohio finances were ranked 43rd in the nation, and the state faced an $8 billion budget hole. And by the end of his first term, Ohio's financial ranking had improved to seventh in the nation, and the state had more than $1 billion in surplus. And you probably know that he has a record of service to the United States military. He enlisted in the Marine Corps Reserves in uh, 2000. We all know what happened right after that. He graduated first in his class from the Marine Corps boot camp, first in his class from Marine Corps intelligence. Uh, He served for eight years in Anbar province, Iraq. Um, He was awarded the Navy and Marine Corps Achievement Medal for superior performance of his duties. He has a bachelor's degree from Ohio State, a law degree from Case Western, three children, Rosie, Judah, and Gideon. He's running his, um, his I want to give, I'm saying all those things quickly because I want to talk to him about some other things here, uh, but he has really chosen to go into churches for his uh, base of support, and as a matter of fact, there are 114 pastors who've signed a letter of support for Josh because of his support for the sanctity of life and the defunding of abortion the advocacy of biological gender and traditional marriage, the advocacy of religious freedom, the support of self-defense and local law enforcement, the support for parental rights and resistance to divisive social justice, and his support for election integrity. So um, that's kind of an overview of his positions. And now let me introduce you to Josh Mandel. Josh, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Sandy. It's so good to be on. You know, I think one of the things we could do, uh, Josh, that I think would be very helpful to people knowing who you are is just talk about a few issues that are in the news right now. And one of the things I just finished talking about before you join me is, of course, the the confirmation of Katanji Brown-Jackson. The Senate's going to vote today. If you, uh, you know, make it to the Senate, that's a big, big thing that Senate, uh, the Senate does is confirm nominees. I just wonder what your thoughts are on what you're watching here. Sure. Well, first of all, I am not surprised with Romney's statement last night that he's going to vote yes on Katanji Brown, um, but I'm deeply, deeply angered by it. Um, I think Mitt Romney is a traitor to our party, a traitor to our country. I don't think he should be anywhere near the uh, U.S. Senate or public office in any kind. You know, if I were a United States senator today, I would be doing everything I can to block Katanji. Brown from being on the United States Supreme Court. And, you know, Sandy, the a lot of the squishy establishment, rhino Republicans, they, they, they feel that we cannot apply litmus tests to nominees to the, to the bench, whether it's the federal judiciary, district or appellate courts, or to the Supreme Court. I disagree with them. Um, I absolutely will apply litmus tests. And the main one will be, are you an opponent of abortion? And if there's a nominee that is unable to answer that question, I will do everything I can to block them. And, uh, you know, I will also ask them when life begins. 
And if they cannot tell me that life begins at conception and ends at natural death, I will do everything I can to block them. Uh, this issue, our issue of protecting life, of protecting the unborn, of stopping euthanasia, there's no issue that's more important than this. If, if we are not going to fight to protect life, nothing else matters. And you know, I, I believe that the advised consent role of a United States senator is so important, and under that umbrella, to do everything they can and everything I can starting next January to stop abortion and stand up for pro-life justices and against pro-abortion justices. It's just integral and, and, and center to everything I'll be, I'll be doing and living and breathing and sleeping as a United States senator. Josh, I think uh, there's no question, certainly for me, that that's key. It's been something that I have fought for years. But of course, I know that you know the whole issue of uh, regarding human life has expanded in our country, the whole issue of it. Uh, I think of, um, you know, all the murders of police. I think of the crime. Uh, for instance, Ketanji Brown-Jackson's, I don't want to get off on her record because I've talked about it a lot here, but her record of being soft on crime is actually too nice. She is sympathetic to people who perpetrate violence. And uh, it's not just her. It's the whole culture of uh lessening punishment for criminals, which is causing death and destruction. And that also is a sanctity of human life uh, issue. And so there, I think that the net has broadened in terms of what we're concerned about. Let me just say that uh, Josh just got the endorsement of uh, Senator Ted Cruz last night. And um, this is what Cruz said in his endorsement. He said, as our nation faces crisis after crisis under Joe Biden, our country needs conservative fighters to stand up to the radical Democrats who want to exploit these problems to deliver socialism to America. That's why I'm supporting Josh Mandel for U.S. Senate. Josh, um, I just mentioned before you joined me that um, the polls are pretty tight, especially between you and Mike Gibbons. Can you give us an idea of, from your perspective, what is the difference between you and Republican candidate Mike Gibbons? He looks to have a slight edge over you, maybe two points, and that's probably insignificant now, uh, but it could be. Uh, what, what do you see as the differences between you and him? Uh, there's so many differences between me and Mike Gibbons. First and foremost, I'm pro-life, and he's pro-choice. Um, you know, Mike Gibbons was asked the question, um, his position on abortion, and he said that he thinks that women should have a right to choose. That is the definition of, of pro-choice. Um, so I am strongly and devoutly pro-life. Here in uh, Ohio, uh, when all these Republicans were afraid to support the heartbeat bill, I was the first statewide official in Ohio to support the heartbeat bill. Um, in fact, I led the charge against John Kasich. I led the charge against a lot of the rhino Republicans and, of course, the Democrats on uh, the heartbeat bill here in Ohio. Another main difference is, you know, Mike Gibbons, um, my opponent, he says that, quote, he thinks that Roe v. Wade is the law of the land. Um, I fundamentally disagree with that. It's not the law of the land. It's totally unconstitutional. We should not classify it or describe it as the law of the land. And we need to do everything we can to overturn Roe v. Wade. And so those are two fundamental differences when it comes to um, the issue of life. He and I have so many other differences. But one of the main ones is when my opponent goes to Washington, he's going to lay down for the Democrats. He's going to lay down for the re Republican bosses. I'm not Sandy. I'm a fighter. Uh, you know, this is why Ted Cruz endorsed me, because I'm a fighter. And uh, I'm not going to Washington to make friends. I'm not going to Washington to to get invited to the cocktail parties. I'm not going to Washington to be liked. I'm going there to fight for the Constitution, for the biblical principles on which America was founded and grew strong, and, and really stand up for that Judeo-Christian 
bedrock of our republic. And yeah. at the end of the day, you know, we're a nation that, that's rooted and founded in Judeo-Christian values, not, not Muslim values, not atheism, but Judeo-Christian values. Josh, you have a great story, and we're not going to have time to tell all of this. I wish we did, but um, your grandparents, you're, you're, you're the grandson of Holocaust survivors. And in, in your, your grandmother's case, um, she was in Torino, Italy. And this, as I understand it, it was a group of Christians that actually protected her uh, and, and helped her, which I, I think that's the, story, the stories that your grandfather and your grandmother told you yeah, this remind okay. This is what this reminds me. Of. It reminds me of all the, the Cuban immigrants, like Ted Cruz and others, who are um, another generation of a family that knows what uh, oppression is like, and the passion uh, that your grandparents or your parents can instill in you. Can you just say a word about that, Josh? Sure, sure. So it goes back to World War II. My grandfather was from Kelts, Poland. And he uh, lost his mother, his father, and his five siblings in the death camps. Uh, the Nazis came into their home and took them to the death camps, and they all perished in the gas chambers. Um, you know, God was watching over him, and he survived, was liberated by American troops. And at the same time, my grandma Fernanda was from Torino, Italy, as you mentioned. It was my grandma Fernanda, my Aunt Marietta, my Aunt Renata, and my Uncle Mario. And as the Nazis were rising in other parts of Europe, there gathered this network of Christian conservatives in Italy, courageous Christian families, Sandy, who got together and went to the Jewish families and said, we're going to save your kids. And my grandmother, Fernanda, was hidden and saved by an incredibly courageous Christian family. They risked their lives to save my grandmother, because if the Nazis would have knocked on that door, Sandy, they would have not only killed my grandma Fernanda, they would have killed that entire Christian family, hiding her. Well, you know, and, probably... No, go ahead, finish your sentence, uh, please. You know, if you, you think about that level of courage, I believe it comes from one place and one place only. And it's one's faith. It's one's belief in God. And, you know, there's so many areas of Scripture that we could point to that perhaps that Christian family you know, looked to to harness that strength. One I think of is Joshua 1.9, where the Lord commands us, go forward with courage, go forward with strength, do not be afraid, do not, do not be dismayed, for I will be there with you. And Sandy, were it not for that courageous Christian family in World War II saving my grandma Fernanda, I wouldn't be here right now. This morning, I, you know, I wouldn't have been with my three kids. Rosie, who's eight years old, Judah, who's seven years old, Gideon, who's five years old. And it's, I owe an incredible, a life of gratitude, a debt to that network of courageous Christian families and to the U.S. military for making it possible for me to be here today. Yeah, so, so then your, your, your life, when you, when you uh, grew up then, you really had a implant planted in you to serve, which is what you did. And I want to talk about the military for a second. And we only have just a few minutes, really like three minutes. Uh, the Department of Defense, you know, has been on this uh, investigating extremism in the military, Josh. And uh, it looks like, uh, according to their own report, in the year 2021, they only found 100 instances of confirmed extremist activity in the military. And I mentioned that just to remind people of how woke the military is becoming you are, if you get elected, you will be, I think, one of the few people who've actually served in the military and certainly currently served in the Senate. Is that, isn't that right? 
I'm not sure how many veterans there are you know, in the U.S. Senate. There's not that many. But you know, I saw a statistic recently that we're an all-time low in public office for veterans in office. So in the 1970s, about 80 percent, 8-0 of public officials were veterans. And today it's down to around 16 percent. And listen, I, I don't think that military service uniquely qualifies someone for public office. However, I do think there are certain moments in American history. There are certain moments in the arc of our country where our nation, our people would be better served with more men and women in the U.S. Senate who've worn the uniform, who've carried a weapon in foreign land. And I think Sandy now is one of those moments. And uh, as a Marine Corps vet who did my small part in a couple tours in Iraq, now is one of those moments where we need fighters in the U.S. Senate because there's a lot of evil out there. There's, there's evil in the world, obviously, and there's a ton of evil in, in Washington, you know, and, 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 and in our local communities, you know, where they're trying to convince our kids that there's 52 genders and when they're eight years old, they could just pick their gender. No, that's, that's evil. There's only two genders. Boys are boys and girls are girls. But we need Republicans and public officials who've got the steel spine to stand up to the secular left to fight it. You know, they're trying to divide our kids down racial lines with critical race theory and all this other racial garbage. They're trying to, you know, allow boys to compete in girls' sports. Like, that's not fair to our daughters. Um, but you have a lot of Republicans who are afraid to stand up to the woke left and the media on this stuff. And so, yeah, we need more veterans in office. We need fighters. And, you know, we also need folks who understand that our beliefs, the Judeo-Christian values of America, these beliefs have been around for thousands of years. So when the left calls us intolerant for not wanting to bow to the altar of transgenderism or critical race theory or whatever their cause du jour is, we're not the intolerant ones. It's actually the left. It's the media. They are the intolerant ones because they are not being respectful of our beliefs that have been around for thousands of years. And so in my mind, Sandy, it's time to go on offense. And, uh, you know, I, I've been on offense for a long time here in Ohio. Um, you know, I've stood up for Christian prayer, prayer on the floor of the House when the Republican speaker was trying to block pastors from being able to say Jesus Christ's name on the floor of the Ohio House. I stood up for the, the rights of pastors to pray in the name of Jesus. When the Republican governor, John Kasich, was trying to stop the heartbeat bill, I stood up for life. You know, time and again, I've, I've been a warrior for religious liberty and life, and yeah. that's what we need, I believe, in the U.S. Senate. It's why yeah. I'm running. I, well, I, listen, you, this is a daily mantra for me. I am so disgusted with um, the Republican leadership and with their lack of spine uh, when the House is on fire and they're not willing to carry a bucket. They want to stay safe, and it's just a, it's a problem. That's the reason that we are in the situation we're in. So uh, Josh Mandel is running again for U.S. Senate in Ohio. If people want to help you, where can they go? Tell me. Ten seconds. JoshMandel.com, J-O-S-H-M-A-N-D-E-L.com. I am pro-God, pro-gun, pro-life, pro-Trump, and I'd love to earn your support. All right, uh, the, the primary is uh, May the 3rd, so it's coming right up. So, uh, you know, you know. Okay, Sandy Rios in the morning. I was injured at work in March of 2020, and I thought it was the worst thing that happened to me. And in that time being home, I discovered AFR, and I am so grateful for all your hard work that you do there. God is using American Family Radio to impact America. Thank you, and God bless you. You'll have an opportunity to help us continue to make a difference during our Spring share April 19th, 20th, and 21st. Join us. God can use persecution to strengthen the church and individuals within it. Persecution is granted to us. Don't miss this. 
What an honor to be chosen to follow in the footsteps of Christ, to die like the thief beside him, so that men enslaved to sin can see the gospel written in our flesh and believe. Gain more perspective on persecution with Jordan Shambly's article, The Victorious Persecuted Church, in the Fall 21 issue of Engage Magazine, or visit engagemagazine.net. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. The verses from Colossians I just quoted are immediately followed by, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. The delusion and deception of humanistic philosophy require its prey to become bitter, entitled, and unthankful. To remain impervious to deception, we must abound in thanksgiving to God. Thanksgiving empowers us to reject the captivity of today's grievance culture. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. This is Frank Affney with the Secure Freedom Minute. There's something surreal about the unfolding nightmare along America's southwestern border. As a direct result of Biden administration policies, roughly 3 million people from all over the world entered the United States illegally over the past 12 months. 200,000 of them entered in March alone, and that number will soon swell dramatically thanks to President Biden's recent elimination of pandemic-related restrictions. Then there are the roughly 125,000 mostly unvetted Afghans brought here by the U.S. government. What is surreal is not just that the ominous social, economic, demographic, and electoral impacts of this influx are being minimized. The fact that unaccompanied military-age men make up large percentages of these migrant populations suggests a literal invasion is underway with potentially dire national security implications. Will it take widespread violence here by such invaders before we awaken to this danger? This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. All right, Sandy Rios back with you. A couple of stories. You know, last week we talked about, excuse me, Dave Rubin uh, with The Blaze uh, on his podcast explaining in great detail, like 18 minutes worth of detail about he how he and his husband, uh, have donated sperm, each of them, to uh, grow in a surrogate 
uh, babies who are going to be born about the same time. One will be part of him and one will be part of his husband. And uh, going into tremendous detail about the process and how they're going to do it, uh, it was stunning to me, actually repugnant, uh, I have to say. And does anybody believe that the state of the American family, in quotes, is in chaos and disarray? One other story that came in my box this morning, New York Post wrote this. A lesbian couple in New York is suing the, uh, a fertility clinic after they conceived and gave birth to a healthy boy. Because he's a boy. Heather Wilhelm, I'm sorry, to the German, Heather Wilhelm Rutenberg and Robin Rutenberg Wilhelm were bewildered when they learned at the 15 week appointment that they were having a boy. They went to the clinic because they allegedly guaranteed them a girl. Heather said she felt raped after learning she was having a boy. According to her, she fell into a deep depression and became suicidal after giving birth. She, uh, Heather uh, said it might, had to be a mix-up. I looked at Robbie and I said, if it's not yours, who's in my body? That's when I flipped out. That's when I felt my body was taken hostage. I assumed it was someone else's embryo, not the wrong embryo of ours. It scared the blank out of me. I don't know how to explain this. It felt like there was an alien living inside my body. The uh, The clinic offered to abort her baby, but Heather says her denial made her keep the baby. She thought she'd be able to trade it after the birth for a girl that she thought she had. Heather admitted after giving uh, the boy was born, she felt nothing for him. I started experiencing anxiety. It was creepy. Uh, she had suicidal thoughts. Uh, there were several incidences uh, that were very dangerous. And then they say, we both love our child, but we've had to work harder than anyone should have to work to make sure we are all alive. You think the American family's in trouble? I think the American family's in deep trouble. Well, Jeff Shreve is a voice familiar to so many of you. He uh, has a show every Monday, Monday through Friday, called Real Truth for Today. I know Jeff because I listen to him early, early, early on Sunday mornings here on the East Coast. Um, he, he's, a, he's a wonderful pastor. I really enjoy his preaching. And he and his wife, Debbie, are with us this morning, and actually they're going to be part of American Family Association's fourth annual Marriage Family Life Conference. That will be July 7th to the 9th uh, of this month. And so we wanted to, you know, talk to them this morning about this and bring this to your attention because I think you're going to want to go. Uh, Jeff, and uh, good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you, Sandy. Thank you. I, you know, I, I guess people, all, we could also say people are hearing your voice every day when I get off the air, right? <laughs> Don't you follow <laughs> me in that, I, right now? I, I do, and it's a privilege to follow you. Uh, well, <laughs> that's, well, that is not what I meant, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, well, it's a privilege to have you follow me, uh, Jeff, because I know you have wonderful things to say. And Debbie, I guess you guys met in the singles department at Champion Forest Baptist Church a we long time did. ago, right? Uh, you know, <laughs> decades ago, actually. <laughs> uh, 37 years ago, we yes. met in the singles department. Yeah. That's, that's a good place to meet of, your spouse. It is. You know, isn't it? Because uh, we can't underscore how important it is to have the right mate as a life partner, someone you want to be in the trenches with, not just someone you want to sleep with, which is, I think, the gauge that a lot of people use. And, um, yeah. 
So, what are you, Jeff, what are you going to be doing at this American Family Association Marriage Family Life Conference? Well, we're excited to be a part of that, and uh, Will contacted Will uh, Addison contacted me uh, a couple of months ago and asked if we would like to be a part. Debbie and I have such a heart for marriage and for family, and we know that um, marriage and marriage and family are under tremendous attack, and it is harder and harder for couples to stay together and for them to have a good and godly family. The temptations are so much greater today than they were 30 years ago when we were in the throes of little kids and, and figuring all this stuff out. So we, we're excited to be a part and just encourage couples to keep going and to, to build your relationship on the Lord. Psalm 127.1 is one of my favorites. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. And so we have to have uh, the Lord as our cornerstone, as our foundation. And if if I'm seeking the Lord and Debbie's seeking the Lord, then our marriage works. But if I'm not, if she's not, then there is trouble. And there's trouble in the marriage and trouble in the family. So we want to encourage couples uh, on that on that weekend in July to uh, stay the course. And even though it's hard and it can be really, really hard at times to not give up. One of my favorite quotes, Sandy, is from uh, Jerry Falwell Sr., where he says, it's always too early to quit. And so keep <laughs> going in your marriage. It does take perseverance. There's no question about it. I always think of that verse uh, it, it apply, in my own life, it applied in other ways, but in marriage too, in my first marriage, perseverance. And that's who wants perseverance? You know, because you can only get perseverance by suffering, really. Yes. Uh, but but Jesus' example, perseverance, and we are to be perseverant in, in whatever we're doing. That makes marriage sound so dreadful. Debbie, are you just <laughs> persevering every day? Oh, you know, there are days. Uh, there are days when I'm, when I'm persevering. Um, but our culture is so counter that. And so it, it's so important that people be um, encouraged with the truth of God's word. And that is that there is a blessing and a great reward that comes with that perseverance. And it, it doesn't just come in eternity. It comes in this lifetime with a, with a solid marriage, with a good relationship, with a foundation for your children that enables them to grow and to blossom and to be all that God desires them to be and to give them such security. Um, and so that perseverance is significant. You know, I think, I often think if uh, married couples now, they get into these ruts, you know, where they're separated and they have their narrative uh, and they're maybe in their own mind, they've got a narrative and they don't, they're not really honest with each other. And they maybe have legitimate reasons why they can't stay with each other anymore or they're not happy. But there are ways. I don't think there's hardly any marriage that can't be saved. I don't know if you agree with that, Jeff, but I think pretty much anybody, and it's not like you have to sign up for misery. It can actually grow into something new and different. Would you agree? I do. And I always tell couples in the counseling room that, you know, they, people tend to come to counseling when things are disastrous. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's like, okay, this is Humpty Dumpty has fallen off the wall. Now let's go to counseling. It's like, I wish you had come, you know, six months ago when, when things were, when the a, wind was blowing. <laughs> yeah. When it was in a better state. But I always tell couples this, I said, look, you see, you have two options. A is stay in this horrible marriage that you hate and just are miserable for the rest of your life, which nobody wants to choose. A B is I get divorced 
first. And I know, you know, if they're a Christian couple, uh, we know this is wrong, but, and then they make all the excuses. We're doing this for the children or uh, God can forgive me that anything is better than option A. And I always tell them, I said, well, what about option C? And they're like, well, what's option C? I said, option C is you get right with God individually, both of you, and you pray and you ask God to do a miracle and give you a desire for one another that's not there, love for one another that's not there, and uh, and watch God work a miracle. If he can raise Lazarus, four-day-old dead Lazarus from the tomb, surely he can raise your marriage up out of the grave. Well, I think one caveat that I would add to that, um, Sandy, is that it does take two people. It takes two people that want it to work. It's very, very difficult um, to salvage something where where one party is completely disinterested. Um, and, and that takes a deep work of the Holy Spirit, bringing conviction into their heart and turning them, helping them to do a 180 to see that, you know, God wants this relationship to be restored. Because we, we see people in the counseling office so often that one party so longs for the relationship to work and the other party is completely disinterested and not remotely open to um, a, taking a, responsibility to, yeah, to taking any responsibility to hearing from the Lord, any of those things. And so um, it, it does take two people, but God can do absolutely anything. He can do anything in any relationship when hearts are yielded to him. I agree with everything you just said, and it's been my experience too. You know, upfront and close and personal, I've watched that, and um, it makes me sad when people bail too soon. But let me just say, practically speaking, this conference, Marriage Family Life Conference, is July the seventh to the ninth in Tupelo. It's at the Bank Course South Arena uh, in Tupelo, Mississippi, and you can register by going to marriagefamilylife.net, marriagefamilylife.net, and click on register now. Uh, and it's not just uh, marriages. It's also, you know, grandparents. It's family stuff, right? You guys are going to be, it's for young people. It's for grandparents. It's for all, it's not, it's not just about marriage. And so with that, Jeff, let me ask you this. I, I sorry, I hit the mic. Um, <laughs> I, I'm sure you're saying what I'm saying. And that is families torn apart by political opinions, uh, by moral, difference in moral views, Parents um, hurt. This is my what I see more often than not. Parents j- rejected by their children, um, shut out, uh, disrespected. It's the relationships are just broken all over. Um, and what do you have to say about that? What can you tell us about your thoughts about that? Well, I agree with you. I think it is, uh, you know, we grew up in growing up in a society kids are today where there's no respect for authority. And uh, so that that respect breaks down in the home. And so the kids don't respect mom and dad and they get older and and they're dealing with wounds. Uh, No doubt all of us carry a certain amount of of uh, wounds from our growing up and from our mom, from our dad, because they're not perfect uh, people and they weren't perfect parents. But if we don't learn how to get rid of that, then we take that into adulthood, which messes up our relationships with with our spouse and with our children. And then we blame our parents. You know, it's it's real easy to just blame everybody for your problems rather than own them and say, okay, well, bad things happen to me, but I have to deal with this. I have to forgive my mom and dad and I have to, I'm, I'm commanded by God to honor them. And we see so much dishonor taking place. And, uh, you know, Sandy, I've told people, and, and this is, 
you just see it all around us. We have to live life according to the way God set it up. He has rules and he has out of bounds markers set up in life. If you want to live outside of those, you're free to do that. Uh, You're free to choose, but you're not free to choose the consequences of your choice. And, And the consequences are severe when we live outside of God's boundaries and we say, we're going to do it our way because the earth is the Lord's and all it contains. It belongs to him. He sets up the rules. His ways are right concerning everything. And if we go our way, hey, there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. And we're seeing a lot of death and devastation and destruction in homes. And it is sad. And we desperately need to return to God and let the Lord build our house. Debbie, are you seeing this also in your counseling? Uh, Adult adult children hurting adult parents? (laughs) Or maybe vice versa. Absolutely. And I know just even in my own life, I experienced that. And I had such a revelation in my mid-20s when I was when I was seeking out some counseling to help deal with the baggage of my past. And when I really came to the conclusion and understanding that, hey, my parents were broken people. And with 100% of their brokenness, they loved me. And um, it, it just freed me up to be able to extend uh, forgiveness to them and to just really uh, get my own heart right, which enabled me to be freed up in so many areas because holding on to those hurts and holding on to those um, that bitterness and, and anger and frustration, it, it's devastating, not just to you, but to anyone who is in your circle. And so I do, we see that a lot, that there are just so many hurting people and, and that are trapped in the lie that for the rest of their life, they're going to be a victim. And God did not send Jesus Christ to this earth to die for us, for us to remain victims. We are victors, not victims. Amen for that. And so Jeff Shreve is, the I didn't say, he's the pastor of the uh, First Baptist Church of Texarkana. <laughs> I forgot that part. Uh, and right. he and Debbie minister there. And I'm Debbie, just from your voice, I can tell that you're a great partner to him in that ministry. Oh. They're both speaking at Marriage Family Life Conference That'll be in Tupelo, and that is uh, July the 7th to the 9th. If you want more information, it's marriagefamilylife.net. It is for adults. It is for youth. It's for grandparents. It's about family life. And so if you're a family, you're invited, and it's very reasonable the cost. You can see it on the uh, when you go to, the, to that. I don't have time to tell you, but it, trust me, it's affordable. <laughs> so, uh, Jeff, uh, we look forward to hearing you. Well, like right after I say goodbye, people are going to hear you speak. <laughs> and, uh, Debbie, I look forward to meeting you, both of you, in the future. Thanks so much for your contribution to this conference. Uh, we appreciate it so much. All right, well, this is the news for this morning. You know what? Some good news, though, that Jesus can sort out families and he can sort out countries, too. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.